Hey everybody, The Talking Book is a non-profit audiobook recording studio in Asheville, North Carolina. If you want to make an audiobook, go to thetalkingbook.org, that's thetalkingbook.org. Check out these amazing writers, narrators, indie publishers. Come to Asheville, we record books in a booth, here's the show. Hi, my name is Chris Hartram, and this is the Talking Book Podcast. Like you heard, we're a little audiobook recording studio nestled in the Appalachian Mountains in Asheville, North Carolina. Myself, my sound engineer extraordinaire, Dave Burr, bunch of extremely talented narrators, proofers, writers, and publishers. Uh, we haven't been doing as many in-house recordings lately for obvious reasons, but uh, we're still doing a lot of cool stuff with authors and publishers remotely. It's better than nothing, you know? cool readings, full-length audiobooks coming out. Um, yeah, so what's new with me? Um, well, glad you asked. Uh, not a lot. It's the holidays now. The home is decorated. We're watching uh, Christmas movies. We're eating cookies. We just watched um, Love Actually, little-known film, probably never heard of. And let me tell you, I spent close to 13 years disliking that movie for obvious reasons you know it's cheesy it's sappy it's uh it's too much and i don't know if it's because that now i'm 37 or that i have two little kids or that the pandemic here has made me uh more sentimental and susceptible to shit like that but i gotta be honest with you i really liked it this time uh it got me it got me good um Thank you, love, actually. And God bless uh, Hugh Grant. Um, you know, I'm a real Hugh head now. Love Hugh. Uh, but anyway, enough about Hugh Grant. Today, um, I'm excited to present you with a reading by Sebastian Castillo. Uh, he's the author of 49 Venezuelan novels from Bottle Cat Press. And you can find his writing online. He lives in New York where he teaches writing. And you're about to hear a reading from his new book, Not I, from Westward Press. And then also something from a possibly forthcoming collection, I would assume, forthcoming collection called The Zoo of Thinking. But anyway, I reached out to him about doing this. And uh, I'm excited to push play for you. Enjoy Sebastian Castillo. Hello, I'm Sebastian Castillo. I'm the uh, author of 49 Venezuelan novels and Not I, which was uh, published two months ago uh, from Word West Press. Um, you can find it on the internet if you wish to read it. Um, I'm sure there'll be some link or something attached to this. But anyway, um, Not I is a book that I think of as, as written within the tradition of uh, what you can maybe call formalist autobiographical texts, the most famous of which are probably Joe Brainerd's I Remember and uh, Auto Portrait by Edouard Levey. And in Not I, I take the 25 most common verbs in the English language and I write first person statements through uh, each of the verb tenses. Of, English using these verbs. So, um, I, the, sec the book in total has 24 sections. I'm just going to read one 
And, you know, if you enjoy it, you can uh, read more at a later time. Uh, okay, so this uh, section is, let's look here. Uh, this is from the Future Perfect section. I will have been dead for a long time when you read this. I will have had a beautiful life. I will have done things with charity and grace. I will have said quotes. I will have gotten a medal of honor from the void. I will have made pretty objects out of boring mistakes. I will have gone to the movies. I will have known 30 unpopular poets. I will have taken it for granted. I will have seen hours of plants fighting to win. I will have come to a great understanding. I will have thought that I knew it all. I will have looked sick and humid. I will have wanted wanton love occasionally. I will have given my trust to the robber barons. I will have used a condom. I will have found fossils in dumpsters. I will have told useless stories to the next generation. I will have asked stupid questions. I will have worked at a guitar store. I will have seen bloated. I will have felt ugly too. I will have tried every combination on the safe. I will have left a note to my friends. I will have called it the past. Uh, so yeah, there's another uh, 23 sections of that, if interested. Um, so I, uh, I recently completed a short story collection. Uh, I've been working on these stories for quite a while. I think the oldest one is like five years old, maybe even older, to be honest. Um, and I thought I'd read one of the more recent ones, um, I've written and it hasn't been published anywhere. So, uh, I thought it would be, this would be a good time and place to share it. Uh, it's called, how do you pronounce Andy Warhol? My guitar was in need of repair. Though I seldom played the instrument any longer, I felt I owed it the courtesy of letting it be what it wanted to be most a guitar capable of making music. I searched for local luthiers on the internet and found someone who seemed suitable. His website, while lean on information, featured videos of the luthier playing classical guitar in an amphitheater. That was pedigree enough for me. I called him and set up an appointment for the following day. I was expecting a shop of sorts, I suppose, but it seemed his business was located within his house. A note was taped on his front door. Doorbell doesn't work. Knock hard, then knock again. I did as I was told. It felt strange to be bullied by a piece of paper. I stood around for what felt like a minute or so, fearing that I had knocked hard. Uh, not knocked hard. Not? what? Sorry, what did I write here? I stood around for what I felt like, fearing that I had not knocked hard enough. <laughs> it's really confusing. Maybe I should edit that. Anyway, uh, just then the luthier appeared. He was much older than what I had seen in his videos. At least three decades must have passed since their recording. He was bald on top with thin wisps of white hair on the sides and back of his head. His fingernails were long and sallow. The luthier didn't seem to know why I had materialized at his door, so I reminded him of our phone call. He asked me to come inside. His house was a mess, overrun by possessions. Guitars, yes, but also sheet music, small statues, tchotchkes, piles of clothes, empty takeout containers, books, folders, instruments that were not guitars, three or four telescopes, a collection of ham radios, a life-size cutout of Elvis Presley, and a living dog. He told me to not worry about the dog, who wasn't interested in me anyway. I tried finding an empty place on the floor to put down my guitar case, 
but was unsuccessful. I placed it on top of a piano. We discussed what needed repair, how much it would cost, and how long it would take. I agreed to all terms. I wanted to leave as soon as possible. I felt, somehow, that I would become another item in this hoarder's life. In the corner of the room, I saw that his computer monitor was move- was on and that the cursor was moving of its own volition, clicking open and closing a variety of folders randomly and without purpose. I told the luthier I would see him in two weeks and then left. Without my guitar, I felt the need to play the guitar more than I had in years, which was expected. I did have an older guitar in the closet. This was my first, my childhood guitar. It was, need, it was in need of repair too, but it was so old and cheap that it wasn't worth the effort. I didn't know why I had kept it. I hope dearly that it was not for reasons of sentiment, which I'm allergic to by nature. Um, or at least I've told myself as much. Two weeks passed, and I returned to the luthier's house. I knocked hard two, then three times. When he opened the door again, he didn't recognize me. I said I was here, ready to pick up my newly repaired guitar. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. I dropped off my guitar, and you told me to come back two weeks later, so here I am. It's my guitar now, sorry, he said, and closed the door on me. I went home. I was in disbelief. I knew, of course, that there was always an element of risk when one hands precious objects over to strangers. If I had gone to one of those uh, big box guitar retailers, this wouldn't have happened, though they would have charged me significantly more and perhaps for shoddier work. I bought this guitar several years ago as a present for myself when I turned 30. It cost me $1,000. The thing was, I wanted to play the guitar. First, I had decided to repair it out of a sense of duty, and now that duty had transformed into the dream of a future pleasure. I returned to the luthier's house with my old guitar in hand. I didn't even put it in a case. I was holding it by the neck like a weapon. I knocked. He appeared. Let's make amends, I said. Here's another guitar for repair. You fix this one. I come back in two weeks. I pay you for both. I get both guitars back, and we're even. I'll tip. Three weeks. I'm busy, he said, and grabbed my guitar. I returned in three weeks, and the luthier repeated our previous scene. He said that both guitars were his, and that there was nothing I could do about it. I could easily overpower this frail old man, though I would probably not escape without a scratch, given his long fingernails. My strategy would have to be one, not of violence, but overwhelming pressure. I continued bringing him things to repair, items completely outside of his professional purview. An old CRT television, my grandfather's Rolex, a scuffed bowling ball, a skateboard. Each time the same scene. Eventually his house would fill beyond capacity, spilling over onto his lawn and into his neighbor's property, and he would have to say, fine, here are your guitars and all of your precious, useless things. I would pay him for his time and services. But this never happened. I gave him everything I own, save a few articles of clothing and the very shoes on my feet. Finally, I returned to his house and said that he would have to repair me next, that I would not leave his house until I was fixed. He waved me inside, and here I've stayed. A few centuries have passed since then. I've seen other customers fall into the same trap as I did. They would come with their guitars, their basses, their violins, and eventually their entire lives would find themselves here in the luthier's never-ending house. At this rate, one could fairly say entire civilizations have come and gone since the day I first arrived. While many of those people are now gone, the detritus of those past civilizations has remained. Some interesting, some not, 
Most don't care. Yesterday, I saw a child and his father wandering around the shelves near where I camp in the luthier's basement. The child marveled at the items on these shelves. They seemed to contain everything, and in their grandness, a full dot of nothing, a blank smudge where once a painting demonstrated its fluency of the world in full detail. The child discovered a framed poster covered in dust, which he cleaned with the underside of his shirt sleeve. The poster featured a sequence of tomato soup cans, all more or less the same. Its system was apparent, though its meaning was evidently queer to the child. His father approached from behind, holding an empty satchel. Father, the child said, how do you pronounce Andy Warhol? Son, the father said, there is a time where every father must say this to his son. I don't know. Uh, Okay, thank you. Um, So yeah, that's from a forthcoming collection called uh, The Zoo of Thinking. Uh, Thanks for listening. That was Sebastian Castillo reading from his new book, Not I, out now from Word West Press. I hope you liked that. Um, You liked it, didn't you? You can get this book anywhere uh, books are sold, including wordwest.co. Thanks so much uh, to Sebastian, and uh, thanks so much for listening to this show. Check out thetalkingbook.org for more episodes like this with all the greatest writers reading, many of them. I would say, to be fair, many of the greatest writers and also full-length audiobooks by those same writers. And uh, and yeah, you know, we make this stuff for people just like you. My name is Chris Hartram. I hope you and your family are doing great and uh, having a lovely time and that the uh, unyielding light of Hugh Grant blesses all of your big, beautiful hearts very soon. Okay. Love, actually. Like a bishop who has forsaken sympathy Chasing sister squares I was lit before I Oh